everyone, and welcome to episode 6 of Adeptus Podcast's Season of the Witch. I'm your host, Matt Knott, and joining me as always is my friend Nate from over in Sheffield, England. Nate, how's it going? Hello, not too bad, not too bad. That's good to hear. Your weather's improved, I'm assuming. Uh, you can't pick whether it wants to throw it down with rain or be really hot sunshine at the minute, so... Sounds like the weather we've been getting. Uh, for two weeks now, we've been getting like... 30 degrees with the humidity, which is just not much fun, which is why I broke down and bought an air conditioner. <laughs> we, we, well, we can't really complain compared to your weather, but we're British, so that's all we really have. Yeah, I guess you guys are a little bit more used to the humidity. <laughs> um, all right, so this week we'll, of course, be discussing the Dark Eldar. Um, first of all, we're going to go over the very tiny amount of news. Um, so this week in the news, the only thing I really have to report is that the Gen Con World Eater Tournament is down to two tickets left. So if you've been waiting for any reason to get your ticket, now's the point to jump because it's probably going to be sold out soon. I cannot see them increasing seats again this close to the actual date of Gen Con. Do not let me come over there. I keep threatening it. I will I will do it. <laughs> I had my doubts that the wife would actually let you. <laughs> She'll hear you. <laughs> I'd go as well if I could afford it, but I still have yet to convince the gas station owner to sell me the winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Alright, so next thing, of course, we'll be discussing this week's Dark Elder preview, which are, in my opinion, some great cards. Alright, so Nate, I'll let you, as always, take it away with the cards. Okay, uh, so first off, we have the fan at the uh, top of the page, um, which is mostly units, which is a Good thing. Uh, we got the sub cyberite marksman. I'm not sure. Cyberite. Cyberite. There we go. Uh, he's a one cost army. He's a two one with ranged. Um, I don't think there's going to be much else on that card, but for a one drop, I really like this guy. I, I think he's going to be pull his weight definitely, because um, it doesn't really matter about his hit points. If he's got two two attack on ranged, always good. Um, we have the Hellion Gang, uh, which you can't really see, uh, two cost army. Um, the ones we can see, uh, we got a Suffering, which is a one cost attachment with two shield pips. Uh, it's a condition torture, uh, attached to an army unit, attached unit gets minus two attack. Um, I think that'll be handy. Uh, it's a shame you can't put it on a, on a Warlord, but I can see why. Um, yeah, I think that's a really all-around useful card, that. Yeah, I really like it, too. And it's also got two shield icons, so, I mean, if nothing else, it's got the shields that you want. It's only a one-cost attachment, so it's not bad at all. The the artwork is quite funny as well. It's the yeah, Space Marine yeah. covered in knives. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm not sure how he's quite alive there. Well, uh. he is a Space Marine, and Dark Elder... Dark Elder are nothing if not good at torture. I mean, they can torture you for a long time and keep you alive while doing it. Uh, going back to the Sybarite Marksman real quick, the fact that he's got two damage with range is just, I think, great. Like, he'll definitely be going in my deck for Dark Elder, I think, just because he's only a one oh, cost. I think he'll be going in every deck just because he's so cost-effective. Yeah. Um, and the last card that made me sad when I saw it is the Incubus Warrior. Uh, the two-cost army, two command icons. He's got three attack and one hit point. Uh, and he's a warrior, 
the reason these guys made me sad is one hit point for what's arguably the Dark Eldar's toughest unit um, didn't sit right with me. Uh, even two hit points would have been better, but one is kind of laughable. I mean, he's a strong unit. You know, if you get hit first, he's going to do damage, but that one hit point means he's not going to sit on the table all that long, so... Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed about him too, because I mean, like the Incubus are supposed to be like essentially the Dark Elder version of Aspect Warriors, because they were trained by the uh, the Fallen uh, uh, Striking Scorpion Phoenix Lord yeah. and stuff. So you know, they were supposed to be like you know the elite of the elite almost, and giving only one hit point, I think, is kind of disappointing. I mean, he's got two command icons and three attacks, so you know he can probably win you a command struggle and. Assuming you get to hit first, if there's any other units there and there's a battle at the planet, I mean, you should be able to take out something before he dies. But, I mean, making him vulnerable to like a simple one damage AOE just kind of is kind of disappointing. But, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense in a way because Dark Elder are very much in the 40k universe and miniature game a, a glass cannon kind of army. You know, they kind of come in really, really fast and do as much damage as they can before they get killed. So, I don't know. It's definitely disappointing. Yeah. Hopefully we get another Incubus down the road that's a bit more beefy. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, I, I understand the flavor behind the, the entire Delkyla, but being, you know, the meant to be one of the toughest units, I just, you know, I wish it had been slightly started differently. Maybe less command icons and more uh, stat points. But it is what it is. Um, so... The next card that we have in the actual main body of the article is uh, Packmaster Kith. She is a warrior, a succubus witch. She has a standard 7-7. She is a 2-6 and has the reaction, after this warlord commits to a planet, put a Chimera token into play at this planet. Um, so yeah, she breeds for anyone who's not you know, well-versed in the CCG tongue. Breeder is a type of deck type where... Each turn you get sort of tokens for cheap to no cost and um, they breed and you get more and you get more and you eventually win out through attrition, which I kind of like. I really, I think that's a really strong, um, really strong ability. I like her. And I, like Dark Elder is what I'm going to be, one of the things I'm definitely going to be playing because I'm a huge Dark Elder fan ever since, well, they came out in third edition. And uh, I just like, it's kind of interesting that this is what we get for the first uh Dark Elder thing. I wasn't originally expecting them to be like a token spamming thing, but it is interesting that they went with like the the whole succubus witch cult stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean she's she's a great warlord. I know a lot of people have been raving about her ever since she was shown on the board. So I definitely think she's going to be a a favorite coming out of the gates. Yeah, well, I mean I, the next card you see is the actual Chimera token, which is a um, a two-one creature with no attachments. Um, really nice artwork to say it's a token, um, but just spamming out two ones for free, you know, the, you, you're paying two for the uh, Incubus Warrior, but this thing you get in for free each turn. I I, I think it's really good, really good. So. Yeah, the fact that they're 2-1 tokens makes them really good. Like, if they were just 1-1s, one it'd be kind of so-so, but getting a free 2-1 at the planet anytime your Warlord commits to one, which is going to happen every turn anyway, you're getting a free unit take with her, so I don't, I get no complaints about them whatsoever. The artwork is pretty cool. I like how it's really up close and kind of in your face. 
Yeah, it goes with the whole thing you were saying before, where um, they come in, the kind of glass cannon, they come in, do a lot of damage, hope they're the ones left standing, basically. So, it works with that mechanic, anyway. Um, the signature unit for um, Kith is uh, Kith's Chimera Masters. So, two-cast army with uh, one command icon, one attack, and two hit points. It's a warrior, beastmaster, and witch with a reaction... After this unit enters play, put a Chimera token into play at this planet. Um, again, for two costs, you're getting two bodies. It's almost like that guard situation where you're getting real value out of each card you play. So you're getting two bodies that the, the, the opponent, if he hasn't got AOV, has to deal with each one separately. So bang for your buck, this is like one of the best cards that I've seen so far. Um, and so, I mean, if we see, you're going to get four of these guys as well. That's eight eight bodies out of four cards. Really strong. Plus the one from when the uh, the warlord commits as well. So you're just getting three bodies all the time. It's going to, if you don't have that area effect, it's going to be really difficult to just trudge through, basically. Yeah, I can definitely see it uh, becoming a very quick thing, being able to flood the board with a chimera with these guys. And at two cost, I mean, it's not going to be that hard to get a couple of them into play each turn, I would think. If you can start off with a couple of these, you can get a pretty good board presence really fast. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. there's nothing in the Dark Elder stuff that I've seen that I'm just like, I don't like this. Well, other than the Incubus isn't quite what I expected, but these guys are great. Their Warlord's great. The Khmer themselves are great. Like, they're just, I think they're going to be a phenomenal uh, affiliation to start out with. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I think they're just they're going to be the um, between them and, and guard or whatever they're called now. They're going to be the uh, the flood the board type of faction. So, um, sorry, do you want to just take the next one, Matt? Because my iPad's just decided to pack up. Okay. Um, next was the Chimera Den. Um, this is the uh, location support card. It's one cost. Uh, we're only getting one, of course, as per usual with the uh, the core set uh, signature squads. It allows you to exhaust the support to move any number of Chimera tokens you control to a target planet. And it doesn't even matter where they are. So it's not like going from one planet you know, to an adjacent planet or whatever. It's just move all of them if you want to the same planet. I mean, that could be a phenomenal move to do, I mean, even late in the game where like it's you know that last planet that you and or your opponent both need and all of a sudden you've got five chimeras with their two ones sitting there waiting to punch your opponent in the face uh, I can see that being really useful again we're only getting one so like we said before the chances are that sometimes you just won't see this in a game but every faction so far has that limitation with their support card so yeah I, following on from every other um, faction we've seen the, the, the one having the um, Warlord's uh, signature unit is always strong um, I like this because it gives you the ability if you've loaded a planet with three or four tokens and they drop something that's going to be an, an AOE attack, an area effect attack you can throw them over to another planet so they're not going to die in the single hit uh, if you can't deal with that unit quick enough um yeah, just a phenomenal card. Even the artwork, I really like the artwork on all the Chimeras. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. So. Yeah, I really like the 
the mobility aspect that they're giving the Dark Elder, which is very appropriate, but it's also going to be really useful when actually playing the game. Uh, being able to move your units around and kind of pick and choose where they are, because like you said, if your opponent's sitting there with a one-damaged ranged AoE, you know, assuming something or whatever, move all your Chimera somewhere else to get out of the way. And then they're sitting there kind of be like, well, crap, that's not what I wanted to do. And you're, you know, destroying another planet at the same time. I don't know. Again, nothing I don't like about this card either. Uh, the Dark Order overall are definitely shaping up to be my favorites, I would say. Even more so than Chaos. <laughs> but... Might even have run orcs for me. <laughs> yeah, those silly orcs. But the good thing with uh, the Dark Elder is that they can ally with Chaos also, so I could take some of the cards I like from both. I think that's going to be a real nasty combination between those two. I think um, Elder will also be pretty good allying the Dark Elder with their Elder Cousins, but we'll talk more about them next week, obviously, when we get their previews. Uh, are you able to see th- Yeah, I've got the next okay. one now. I've got it. Uh, the next one we've got is the Agonizer of Bren. It's a one-cost attachment, uh, three shield pips. Um, it's a war gear weapon attached to an army unit. Attached unit gets plus one attack for each Chimera token you control. As we've already seen, that is more than likely going to be a lot. <laughs> uh, it's probably token three or four, especially with the Warlord committing. It's going to be at least plus one every turn. Um... As far as it goes on the power level compared to the other ones we've seen, uh, I, th- I think it's up there. Um, there's going to be times when it's one attack, but then there's probably going to be times when it's five attack. Um, the artwork as well on it is probably one of the best artwork I've seen to say you can't see a great deal of it. Um, yeah, not a bad way to say about this card, really. Yeah, I definitely think that this one has the potential to be possibly more powerful than some of the previous uh, weapons we've seen with the uh, the uh, the signature squads and stuff. Like, I mean, this could be a really beefy plus one attack, depending on how many commanders you... It also kind of depends on what you put on. Like, if you put it on, well, probably not the best unit, but like the, uh, the Incubus Warrior there, he's already a three. Giving him plus, I don't know, four or five or whatever, all of a sudden he's able to swing and single shot a warlord or something like that so it really depends on what you put it on uh it's probably good they can only go on an army unit i could see it being a bit abusive with the uh the warlord with her being able to spawn out chimeras and stuff uh i'm thinking more if, rather than the the incubus more the the sublight marksman put it on something with range and you go yeah. right I'll, I'll i'll throw out all these uh, chimera and before you get a chance to kill my guy my guy's going to shoot you in the range combat for eight yep. That's true too. I would like to. I think I'd like to put on a unit that's got a bit more survivability, but we'll have to see. Um, I mean, for one cost, if it, if you can put it on him, something with range where their warlord is, and hit the warlord for seven, and truly use him as a sniper, uh, I'd pay one cost to do seven damage in any game. Oh yeah, one so. one cost to, you know, kill a warlord, even if it's just the first time you've killed it, and now it's bloodied. It's just. I mean, switching their their uh, warlord off that quickly. Yeah, pretty devastating. It would. We only get one, so of course, you know, again, this might be a card we just don't see much like all the others. But you know, every signature squad's got the same limitation, so it's really not that much of a limitation. They're all kind of equal in that regard. And again, it's got three shield, so if nothing else, you can use it 
pitch it and you know keep a unit alive or keep your warlord from getting finished off or whatever. Um, okay, uh, so the the last card we have is, uh, of that of the signature squad is the Pact of the Homunculi. Yep. Uh, I did this one right. Um, it's a two cast event uh, with one shield icon. It's a tactic and it says. Deploy action, sacrifice a unit to discard one random card, uh, one card at random from your opponent's hand, then draw two cards. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this card because you're not actually generating any um, technical card advantage because you lose a unit, you use the card itself. So and then you draw two cards, so you're back on equal footing, and they only lose one card. So technically, yes, it's minus one card, but you've had to play two uh, deck space and so on. So I'm not sure how I feel about this. I mean, you could get lucky and hit that card they've been saving, but you could hit chaff that he just hasn't wanted to play because it wouldn't progress his board state any further. Um, this is probably one of the cards I'm not a massive fan of. Yeah. I can, I can kind of see your point. It's also though, I mean, it's got a shield, so that's that's okay there. And it's also you could use it on like one of the Chimera tokens, which really you get them for free anyway. So you know, if if you just don't need that one Chimera token, getting rid of a token's not really that huge a deal. Uh, I can see that being more advantageous than anything else, really, because it's like you said, you don't really want to kill a unit. But I guess if it's like during the deploy phase and you've got a unit taking a bunch of damage, he's probably going to die anyway. Again, you can kind of you know. Use it on him, and if nothing else, save it and use the shield to save you know one of your units because that only has one health. Yeah, it's just it's, it feels like uh, of all the other event cards, this is probably one of the weaker ones. It may be more useful in the future, but I, I'm not. I mean, the way it looks like people deploy is that you'll deploy weaker units or bait units uh, before you deploy what you know, your real threat. You'll tend to do that towards the end of the deploy phase. Uh, so if you can catch him with this, it might work out better. However, com comparatively to the other ones, uh, I think it's probably the weakest. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Dark Elder are probably going to get a bit of a discard theme because that makes sense with uh, the Dark Elder being able to manipulate the hand and stuff like that. Plus... Uh, it also kind of matches, you know, the Dark Elves from Warmer Invasion were very much about discard and stuff, and these guys are obviously, you know, kind of the, the 40k version of the Dark Elves. Yeah, it might be a nice little mechanic, but I, I tend to find that it's never really ultra-competitive unless it gets to an MP state a lot of the times, the, the discard mechanic, so we'll see how it goes. Um... The, the next card we have is a um, forecast army, the uh, Vile Raider. It has two command icons, uh, two attacks, four hit points, uh, vehicle transport, no war gear attachments, and mobile. Uh, I think this card pretty much epitomizes what the Dark Eldar do. They, um, they, you know, go hit hard, hit fast, and go where they need to go to get the job done sort of thing. So just a solid, really really solid unit. I mean, I'd like it to have maybe one more attack, but I'm happy with it as, as it is. So. Yeah, having four hit points makes it a really good unit. It's probably going to survive a while. Having mobile, letting it kind of dance around to where you need it or where it needs to be to keep itself out of harm's way or you know get that 
vital command struggle you might need or something like that. Um, the artwork on this thing is just phenomenal. Like they're kind of emerging from, I assume it's a webway portal or something, and they're like literally opening fire as they're coming out. Like it just, it looks awesome. Like the the whole card just resonates. I, I love it. I think it's great. Four cost is not that bad at all. I don't think. Uh, oh no, you de- you definitely get what you're paying for. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, sure. So uh, it's a really nice unit. Uh, I just like my units to be a bit more. When they go really severely one way or the other, like uh, like the Incubus, like a three one or a one four, I, I I prefer to have a more well-rounded unit, like a three three usually. So, but hey. Um, the next one we have is a another vehicle. We have the Blackheart Ravager. Uh, it's a six-cost army, uh, two command icons. It is a two-five, uh, a vehicle tank elite. Uh, it's also loyal. Uh, no war gear attachments. Flying, so it only takes half damage from non-flying units, and has the reaction after this unit damages a non-warlord unit, route that unit. Wow. Uh, to say how little attack it has, it's kind of irrelevant because the reaction on this thing is stupid good. Uh, this will, if you can drop this, this will win you games flat out. I think just the ability to get rid of the unit you don't want to see. Um, I mean, the two command icons are really strong as well on this because it's got the staying power because of the flying and the five hit points. I just think this would be such an arsehole to get rid of, basically. Yeah, this card is great. Like, it's, I, I find it's expensive because it's six cost. You know, that's probably on the more expensive side of the scale, for, especially for, well, Dark Elder so far seem to have pretty cheap units. But, man, being able to route whatever it hits, like, you know, if they've got a, I don't know, a Land Raider or some other big beefy like a big beefy orc that's got you know five points of brutal or, or something just being able to swing at it and saying nope now you disappear goodbye like you could use this to win a battle by itself because you could swing it routes one of the opposing units you know the remaining opposing unit swings back and then you know everything refreshes and then it swings again and routes the next unit like it just you could route multiple units with this thing because Unless they've got flyers too, it's going to be difficult to remove this without putting some serious firepower. Like, you would need, well, a 10 damage unit just to be able to kill this in one shot. Yeah, it's got some real staying power. It's worthy of being costed at 6. Uh, much like, what's the, the Chaos uh, unit that we covered? Um, the, the Soul Grinder. Soul Grinder, yeah, yeah. But I think this has a more... Uh, immediate impact where the Soul Grand, I think it's a very resilient unit but it's a bit sluggish whereas this comes in bang get out of my battlefield bang get out of my battlefield this will really turn battles I think it doesn't look like it just by having two attack but the staying power um, with that ability is going to be really I can't can't really get, get across how much this unit will win you battles if you can manage to land it and and with the other units being so cheap in Dark Eldar, you may get a chance where you can drop this and another one or two units to somewhere. And I think that that's a good thing for them. So Plus all the commander tokens you're going to have. And this can, can help protect them by sending away the area of uh, effect units. So. Yeah, I don't think there's enough good things I can say about this card. I mean, it's even got two <laughs> command icons. Like, it, it is expensive at six cost, but 
man, this thing's going to stick around for a while, I think. Short of anything, you know, direct removal that says, you know, destroy target army unit or something. Um, but the only thing that's going to be really vulnerable to that we've seen to date so far in the previews was the uh, our orc spoiler from a couple weeks ago. The, uh, oh, the tank buster. Yeah, the tank buster. But even he's uh, going to have to do a few swings before this thing's going to disappear. Yeah. Um, but even then, he's just it basically in that in that respect, it just gives him flying because he's doing double damage to their half damage anyway. So I think it's it's fine. Um, the the next car we have is a uh, Archon's Terror. It's a two cost event with one shield icon. It's a power combat action route a target non warlord unit. Um, Non, Pretty much. Non-unique unit, not non-warlord. Oh, non-unique, uh, non I do apologise. Um, for everything we've just said that was good about the uh, the radar, this, you know, this is good, but, it, but in, there has that um, ambush effect where, you know, they think they're safe and you suddenly go, you know, you, that unit's not participating in that battle. If it's a massive, you know, land raider or something like that, go away. Uh, I just say it's a really, really versatile to that, and this again will win you key battles if played it correctly. Yeah, this card's phenomenal. I mean, even used in conjunction with the uh, the Blackheart Ravager, you know, it swings, routes something, and then for your next your combat action, you play Archon's Terror, route something else. Oh, look, you no longer have an army here. Huh, that's a shame. Like, it's just. Being able to route stuff is just so good because it lets you kind of pick and choose, and again, kind of emphasizes the the mobility that the Dark Elder are known for. So, uh, this is another just phenomenal card. Yeah, uh, I gotta say again, as with the last card, that the artwork for the Dark Elder stuff. I mean, the whole game as a whole, but the Dark Elder stuff seems to be really nice. Uh, I've got to say that. Um, the last uh, card we have. Is uh, Twisted Laboratory, Laboratory, um, a two-cast support uh, location, uh, loyal action, exhaustive support to treat a printed text box of a target army unit as if it were blank, except for traits until the end of the phase. Um, now, for anyone who's played Game of Thrones, uh, this is akin to um, having nightmares on a stick um, that you can point and click, and basically anything that's going to be annoying you blanket for every phase that you need to basically until a bigger threat comes out um, this is like a really unsuspecting but powerful card I think this thing this will anyone who doesn't put the maximum out of this into the deck is uh, not using the best what they can get out of the dark uh, the dark Eldar because this card's nuts I really I can't this is probably the best card that's on the page at the minute because being able to control what your opponent can do in massive just having the options to, to blank stuff all the time is really, really strong. Yeah, I mean, being able to... It, it's going to depend on who you're playing against and what units they've got up, but, man, there's some units I can think of already that just being able to blank their text block could be the difference between life and death. So, like... And the fact that you can have three of these out, like, it's not unique, it's not limited or anything like that... So you, you could just you could blank three units potentially in turn if you got all three out, and again the artwork's phenomenal. Uh, I probably said phenomenal way too many times during the Dark Elder previews, but <laughs> man, like it's it's really 
twisted, and the other's blood and guts all over the place. But for the Dark Elder, that makes sense. So, yeah, like, it's probably a good thing this thing is loyal. Because, oh, yeah, man, I would so put this in a Chaos deck. I think anyone who could take this would take this. Yeah. Um, it's just, especially when, you, when you're paying for units where you don't pay for stats because you're paying for the abilities. So the strength of the unit is in the ability. So if it's a four-cost unit that may be a, a one-two because the ability is so strong, this takes away that. You just paid four for a one-two. That's why this card is so strong. I mean, this can take can take um, can this take flying away from a, a card? Yep. It says it. The only thing it doesn't take away is traits. So that just you know, it could, yeah. Let's say you're playing another Dark Elder player. All of a sudden, their Blackheart Ravager is just a vehicle tank elite. <laughs> yeah, it's no longer got flying. So he could take it down with ease. You know, I, I, people, if you're playing Dark Elder, put this in your deck. Put at least two of these in your deck. That's all I'm going to advise you. So. Yeah, this and Archon's Terror, I think, will be a three of. The the Blackheart Ravager, where it's so expensive, I would could see that being like a two. Because you're, you're yeah. never going to be able to afford multiples, but you're going to want to at least be able to see it. But, man, this card could just be nuts. I think this is a Dark Eldar staple. I think where every other card is, is nice, and while the card pool's kind of small, you, know, you put it in. But I think this is one of those cards that will just come in from the core set, and two years down the line, you'll see Dark Eldar decks and they will still have this in their deck, I think. It's just that strong. So, um, and that's the last of the previews, I believe. Oh, sorry, we have ours. Yep. Uh, do, do you want to do ours? Uh, sure. All right, just let me pull up my email. All right, so ours is obviously a Dark Elder unit. It's a unique unit. Uh, again, many thanks to FFG for sending it to us. So it is... Uh, a three-cost army unit. Um, her name is Siren Zithlex. Maybe Zithlex. However you want to pronounce it. Uh, she is loyal, and she is a warrior witch. Two command icons, uh, two attack, three hit points. And her reaction is, after an enemy unit is deployed at this planet, exhaust it. There's no limit to that. It's not once per phase, once per turn, once per game. It's any unit that gets deployed to the same planet as her is automatically exhausted. That could get bonkers. Uh, like She's going to win you command struggles just by herself, just by sitting on that planet. Uh, yeah. I, I love, <laughs> I don't, again, I love this unit. Uh, yeah, for three costs, she's pretty... I mean... I'd be happy with a three cost, two command icon, two, three. Do you know what I mean? So to have that reaction, let's face it, you're, you're paying for the reaction. Um, if you slam her down first on the first planet, you know, enjoy me having, you know, maybe my range combat and then my combat as well while you sit there and take it. And it, it again, it, it works well with their, you know, we hit first, we hit hard, and then we hope we're standing sort of thing. Um, she's going to be one of those units that are probably going to be targeted instantly. Oh yeah, you're going to oh. want to get rid of her. Like if you oh, have some yeah. sort of action you can use during the deploy phase to get rid of her, you're going to have to right away because otherwise you basically can't go to that planet. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, she's just she's wow, amazing. Basically, and the artwork following on the theme of the 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 Dark Eldar theme of being amazing artwork, basically. Uh, 
yeah, not a bad thing to say about this card. Just, I wish she wasn't unique. <laughs> That's probably a good thing that she's unique. But I mean, even yeah. with her being unique, it doesn't mean you can, you know, stack your deck with three of her and make sure you can get her out. I mean, being able to deploy her multiple times in a game, like your opponent's probably going to kill her as soon as possible. Yeah. Like if if your opponent survives your initial attacks with all his units exhausted, next round he's going to be swinging for her just to get rid of her, so she's not you know going to the next planet. Imagine how strong that is for you to deploy that first on the first planet. You terrorize his, star, uh, his, um, his units. He manages to kill her. Yeah. Then to go to the next planet and deploy her first again. <laughs> uh, it could be ridiculous. <laughs> it's all strength, I think. I, th- I think they're really shaping up to be not like um, an orc or a space marines where you sort of, you know, go in hard. You just have a bit of a brawl. These are more pick-your-battle sort of faction i think where you're not you, you're trying to hit far hit fast hit hard the things you can't deal with you just route in you know deal with them later you know try and win before it becomes a problem where it comes into that attritional battle i think i think that's going to be the dark elder philosophy yeah and that works really well with what the dark elder because they're not really about pitched battles they're more raiding and pillaging you know strike fast strike hard get what they need and then get out before you know, the Imperium or whoever they're attacking can, you know, apply their, you know, three trillion troops of Astro Militarum to take them out. So I think they're very well themed for what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I, I think they've, they've really captured what Dark Eldar do really well, apart from Incubus Warriors being one hit point. That's my only qualm. <laughs> yeah, I still hope we see a new one of them down the road that's like a, a protector or something, because that's kind of what the Incubus are supposed to be, and, you know, they help protect various. Yeah cabal leaders alright so that's it for the previews so on to knowing your lore um, this week's and next week's lore are kind of going to be interconnected obviously because as I've said before the Eldar and the Dark Eldar are they're essentially the same species well they are the same species um, it's just that they've taken very different paths over the 10,000 years since the fall of the Eldar Empire so it all goes back again to the Eldar's fall, their their empire reached the point that the Eldar didn't have to do anything. They had machines that took care of all the manual labor, so they were free to indulge in whatever they want. Well, the problem with that for a race like the Eldar is that the Eldar mind is so much more in tune with their psychic powers. Like, every Eldar is psychic that doesn't really apply to the Dark Elder because they've lost their psychic powers, they've atrophied, but back during the, the heyday of the Elder Empire, they were all psychic. So they have a much bigger influence and a much brighter soul within the warp, um, which is how you know their fall into decadence helped create Slanish, was because they have that much more influence. So, like I said, you know their empire reached the point that they didn't have to do anything, so they just became all about indulging whatever they wanted to do. Well... The problem with that is that the Elder Psyche becomes very focused and is very can apply itself to a greater level than a human mind ever could. So when they become intent on something, they're super focused on it. So as time went on, they became worse and worse and worse, and it had to do more and more what we might consider disgusting or inhumane or just downright cruel things to indulge their pleasures. You know, they were doing drugs and raping and pillaging and murdering and sacrificing their own. And there's all these pleasure cults, they were called, that rose up. So this all 
took thousands of years, but in all that time, these pleasure cults essentially fed the birth process for Slanish, which we talked about last week on the uh, the Chaos preview, how Slanish came alive and created the Eye of Terror and ended up destroying the bulk of the Eldar Empire and, well, the bulk of the Eldar population, too. So the Dark Eldar are the descendants of those Eldar that were part of the pleasure cults, but they lived in what's called the Webway. The Webway is essentially a series of tunnels through the warp that the Eldar created to allow them to travel from point to point within the galaxy without actually entering the warp itself. And the Dark Eldar created a city called Kamorag, which is in the Webway. So they don't actually live in the physical universe. They live strictly within the Webway in this giant city that... It, it used to be made up of like multiple cities and stations and trading ports and stuff that were in the webway during the Elder Empire, but over time, the city was combined and became one humongous city. But it's not even a city like you or I would think of it because there's no real, like, there's no up or down or left or right really to it because of the way the warp is. So it's, its geography would be hard to understand. So anyway, the Dark Elder have continued to live the way that the Elder were near the fall of the Elder Empire because of the fact that they discovered that Slanish still has essentially a pull on their souls. So the Dark Elder then discovered that if they commit their cruelty and their anger and aggression, whatever, they can feed off of the suffering of whoever it is that they're torturing and that allows them to continue living. So they do that so that they don't die, so that then their souls are then sucked up by Slanish, because uh, Slanish lusts after Eldar souls. Like, she who thirsts wants Eldar souls. So the Elders do have to do everything they can to avoid that, which is why the Dark Elder are what they are. That's not to say they don't enjoy it. I'm sure they do uh, in their own way. But they also do it as a point of survival. So they will raid and pillage the the regular galaxy to try and kidnap victims for them to torture. So I mean that's the whole reason they raid and pillage and like they they don't care about conquering territory or stuff like that. They just want slaves that they can use to help feed them and keep them alive and stave off the pull of slanish on all their souls. Like some of the elder like the or the dark elder rather uh, their leader Asjubel Vect, he was alive during the original time of the Elder Empire. He was very, very young, which is how he managed to survive because Slanish didn't have much of a pull on him where he was very young, but he's now survived the last 10,000 years. And over time, he became... He's not even like the official leader, but he's essentially the de facto leader because he leads the the most powerful, what's called Cabal of the Dark Elder. Uh, his is called the Black Heart. So he leads the most powerful group, therefore he's by default leader of the city and he wields his power uh, to make sure that he never loses uh, control. Uh, he also has a tends to hide behind bodyguards and stuff to uh, to stave off any assassination attempts. He'll have like a double who gets killed instead of him and stuff like that. So, you know, the Dark Order are very much, they're scheming and they're twisted and you know, they're always trying to, you know, stab your brother to get two steps ahead in life and stuff like that. Like they're, they're, by human definition, sadistic monsters. Um, 
and that's just that's just how they are and that's how they've survived all these years within the webway um their city's hidden uh for the most part uh it's pretty hard for anyone who's not a dark elder to access uh which is good for them because they probably couldn't really hold off an entire but i know i've read a story where some space marines apparently were able to attack it i don't know the full details on that um so in addition to the cabals which are essentially gangs that control various parts of the city they also have various it's kind of similar to the orcs with their odd boys they have special classes so there's like there's the homunculi who are in addition to being the doctors are also uh they they commit torture they're they uh they experiment on living beings and stuff like that like they're like the, the twisted laboratory that we were raving about there a few minutes ago is a homunculus lab like you know he's been doing cruel evil things to someone to satisfy his own curiosity possibly uh they also have the succubus uh which is you know like kit uh pack master kit there uh the succubus are a warrior cult of essentially gladiators uh they are male and female and they fight in the various arenas that they have all throughout the dark elder city for essentially the enjoyment of the crowds it's it's much like the gladiators back in the day and you know the roman times and stuff like that uh, a bit more cruel and twisted of course but that's essentially what their role is within society uh which makes them obviously very good close combat specialists uh there's also the incubus which is the one that nate and i are not too big of fans of but their whole cult as i believe i said earlier in the episode was created by what used to be one of the elders uh phoenix lords he fell for, we're never really getting details on what that means but he then went and trained this dark elder warrior class so they are they're separate from all like the politics and the schemes and stuff that goes on within the dark elder city so they tend to be hired as bodyguards by the various cabal leaders to try and protect themselves from you know assassination attempts either by rival cabals or you know the guy two steps down the totem pole who wants to come up the ladder and take over and be the boss uh i think that's it for really for the special classes the uh the pack masters fall within the succubus that that's why they're all called witches uh that's what a member of the succubus cults are called um as for the dark elder themselves physically they're basically the same as eldar uh, like i said though they don't have psychic powers uh which for them is a good thing because if they were to use psychic powers it would make it a lot easier for the various chaos gods and the demons and slanish and whatnot to find them uh, they also tend to be very very pale of course which you guys can probably notice from some of the artwork that where you can see their faces and stuff and that's because where they live in the webway there's no sun like they don't they don't live in the actual galaxy so they don't get you know to tan and stuff like that they're they're shut off from the rest of the actual uh physical universe but they're still like all eldar you know they're they're very focused they're very fast and mercurial they're like a lot of people tend to con compare the elder or dark elder to elves and dark elves but really they're more like the the older myths that we have in uh you know european lore and stuff about like the fae the you know the actual real fairies not the tinkerbell fairies um they're they're kind of more like them you know they're very mercurial and mysterious and not really easily understood by humanity so yeah that's the dark elder uh they're a twisted bunch but they have their reasons uh not that they're probably reasons that any of us would necessarily agree with um so 
next week we'll go into a bit more about the Eldar. Uh, we won't we'll have to go into some of the details, of course, because we kind of covered it here. But you know, the Eldar are, have their own unique path uh, versus the way the Dark Eldar have chosen to go. The Dark Eldar basically stuck to the way things were before. All right, uh, Nate, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap things up for the week? Um, no, no, nothing for me. Uh, like I say, on the story thing, um, Dark Eldar, as soon as they came out as a faction, uh, because I've been such a lover of Eldar, I sort of saw them as a, uh, a cheap imitation. But the more you read about them, the more they saw them out of pl- how you saw that they, they played in the, the tabletop version. I really got to liking them and liking them a bit like to that sort of Viking raids. Um, so I, I think my like likeness of them grew uh, to the point where I actually preferred them to actual Eldar. And I think, I mean, the cards that they've printed out, as you say, apart from the Incubus, there's done no damage to that. I think they're going to be a really strong faction out of the gate. So uh, looking forward to getting some playtime with them, basically. For sure. All right. So we will see everyone uh, in about a week's time for the Eldar previews. Until then, remember, blood for the blood god.